Welcome to the show. Here's my dad. On this episode of the Infant Adoption Guide podcast, we talk about infant adoption from a guy's point of view with an adoptive dad panel, including Dan Wells and Jake Stewart. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Infant Adoption Guide podcast. My name's Tim Elder. I'm an adoptive dad, and this podcast is all about domestic infant adoption. This show is here to help you shorten the time, decrease costs, and make it less stressful for you to reach the dream of becoming parents. Thank you for joining me. Man, this is such a powerful episode. I've been waiting a long time to do this episode. I've been thinking about it and and I found a couple of really cool adoptive dads, guys that have adopted already, and they're here to share what it's like being a guy in the infant adoption journey, really a guy's point of view and all sorts of things. Um, they'll share inspiring stories. They're going to give you uh, tips on how to support your wife through the process. They're going to give the wives tips on how to support their husbands through the journey and they're going to tell you what it's like to match for the first time. They're going to tell you what it's like to hold their kids for the first time. And was there any problems bonding with their kids? It's a very unique and rare roundtable discussion with two adopted dads, actually three, because I'm one too. So it's, we have three of us sitting around the table and just uh, discussing all things infant adoption. So I really hope you enjoy this interview or this show, this episode, because it's really cool. In fact, it was so great. We talked for so long. I split it into two parts. This is part one of two. The second one will come a little bit later, and I uh, hope you enjoy both of them. And here you go. Okay, everyone, we have a very special show today. I was so excited. We've been planning this for a while. Talking, I've been talking about this for a while, and today we have not one but two dads as guests on the show today, Jake Stewart and Dan Wells, and, and actually three because I'm, I'm an adoptive dad myself. So we are going to have a very unique roundtable discussion today. It's all about the guy's view on infant adoption. So you may remember Jake as a guest uh, back on the show. He shared his story, did a great job of, of just sharing his uh, all about his story and what it was like to adopt And back on episode number 23 encourage you to go back and listen to that. It's a great story. Jake and his wife have adopted two children, both as newborns. They have open adoption or amazing open adoptions with their children's birth parents. And, and now they are expecting their first biological child after 11 years of infertility. So congrats, Jake. And Dan Thank and you his, very much. Yeah. And Dan and his wife have adopted uh, back in 2011 and enjoy an open adoption as well with their children's birth parents and they have started the process to adopt again too so congrats to you dan thank you very much tim and i just want to congrats to you as well well thank you yes because my wife and, and i are starting our third yes yep and jake too that's awesome news <laughs> so i just want to welcome you guys to the infant adoption guide podcast thank you so much tim yes it's thanks for wonderful to be here you know and yeah thanks dan We've we've uh, we've talked individually, and this is the first time we've actually talked all three of us. So I'm excited to to see how this goes. But I mean, such a different perspective. I mean, so women have really dominated the adoption world, and and maybe that's a, it's okay because you know the motherhood instinct is strong, right? The the, the drive to be a mom is, is strong, so it, it's understandable why 
women are really kind of the driving force usually in in the adoption world and really just building your family. I mean, that, that's a, such a strong drive. But we realize that obviously it's been talked about for since the dawn of time, men and women are different, right? We handle things differently. We go through things differently. We help each other differently, but we also complement each other. So I'm excited to have you guys on to to talk about what those differences are and what it's really like going through the adoption journey as a guy and now as a dad and now as a, still building our families, all of us. So what we're going to do is just go through some questions and go through some topics and just share uh, each of us about what what it's like. And it's just about what it's like going through the process, what it's like working with your wife through the process. Uh, we have some questions from the uh, one of our uh, Facebook support groups that are some really great questions. And then I want to also make sure we talk about open adoption because that's a huge part of, of uh, what's going on in all of our worlds. So are you guys ready to get going? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Locked and loaded, it. Tim. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Okay. So, the first of all, your adoption story, I briefly touched on it uh, in the intro because I, I don't want to really spend too much time talking about our stories, but um, we went through how your children, that you've adopted them as newborns. But what I wanted to capture, first of all, is uh, what it felt like when you were matched for the first time. So, if you can remember back before you had children, you're matched for the first time with the birth mom. I'm assuming it was a birth mom, but you can tell me that, but what did it, how did it feel like? Let's go with Dan first. Well, we were over the moon excited. We met, um, our son's birth mom, uh, the day after Valentine's day, actually. Uh, and then, uh, we had a wonderful meeting, uh, with her and our facilitator, um, it was supposed to be an hour and it ended up being about a three hour meeting, uh, and then, uh, we left that feeling really good, uh, a few weeks passed. And then beginning of March, uh, she reached out to us and basically said, uh, I'd love to meet you guys to, to go to church together and maybe have dinner some Sunday evening, which we did. And, um, I will always remember the actual booth and the actual restaurant where we sat, where she just basically said, if you guys still want to be parents to my child, I would really like that. And just when she said that nonchalantly, we were caught off guard and just so thrilled about, you know, getting that yes um, after, you know, all of the, the weight and infertility. And we'll talk about that later. And, and the weight and adoption, it was just wonderful. And we actually never really wanted the night to end. We sat there and closed the restaurant. And um, when it was done, um, we started calling family and going and knocking on people's doors and waking people up in <laughs> the late Sunday evening <laughs> and and basically uh, had a wonderful time sort of giving everybody some wonderful news. It was something that we were looking forward to doing eventually. Awesome. Yeah, I could just, I could picture, that was a nice picture you set there because I could just picture you guys sitting in that restaurant just talking and really probably had a biggest smile on your face and was it awkward at all for you at all? I mean, I'm sure it was a little bit, right? When when we met, um, we were nervous. In fact, we we had only had one other opportunity to meet with an expectant mom, and and that was very awkward. And so, uh, th with this meeting, you know, our 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 facilitator sort of gave us a little bit of you know support and advice as to what we should do. And you know, we brought. I mean, she had seen our profile and. 
she was really excited and she said, please bring some other pictures. So I brought my iPad loaded with pictures on it. And, um, you know, we sort of, uh, had to drive across town when had a meal beforehand, kind of got centered and, um, the, the, everything sort of was nervous until, um, she introduced herself and basically, you know, we each, we all hugged her and she hugged us. And, um, my wife being the, the gift giver that she was, she, brought some flowers and, you know, I made some, uh, some, uh, banana bread for the, the meeting. And, um, the conversation started with, with Aaron saying, so, uh, your pictures say that you're from, uh, like Wisconsin and Chicago. And I said, yeah, absolutely. And she said, that's where I'm from. And, and, you know, and, and I'm a big bears fan. I'm like, that's okay. And then, um, I said, the good news is that I'm a Cubs fan. And she said, Oh, you know what? I'm a Sox fan. And I remember just saying, darn. <laughs> and from that moment, it was just kind of like, okay, this is going to be a really good discussion. And it was, is that what made your, had your connection there is the, is kind of the location or what, what really established the connection between you and her? I mean, is that why she chose you? Um, the reason why she chose this is because we share faith together. Um, my, my family and her family and my wife's family as well. And so that was the initial connection. The other is that, yeah, uh, my, um, my family, my mom's family, and I grew up in, in Southern Wisconsin around the Milwaukee area near Chicago and her family resides in the Chicagoland area. Um, in fact, where we used to live it's probably about a half hour drive to the house where she grew up in. Wow. And so very small world and it makes it really ideal for visits. We sort of trade off visits, you know, and travel because I've got extended family and friends from, from high school and college that I also go visit when we go out there. Very nice. Very nice. Well, we'll, we'll get into more of that later. I want to get too ahead of ourselves, but I want to yeah. switch to, to Jack, to Jake. So, uh, I mean, you have two children that you adopted. So, um, I'm sure the match was a little mm -hmm. bit different on each one, but if you could kind of tell, tell both of those, how did it felt like when you're matched? Um, I'm, I, I didn't hear the question, Tim. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I just wanted to know on both your adoptions, if you could tell us how you felt when you were, you were matched for the first time on, on both of those. Yeah. So, so the first one was very, very quick. Um, so we've been, We've been live um, with Lifetime for, for um, about 10 days after having our profiles done and our home study done and, and being in the actual, like, pool, if you will. And we got a call on a Wednesday that we had been selected and, and my wife wanted to, and they were wanting my wife to, um, you know, make a phone call with the birth mom. And the kicker was that she was in labor. Um, and so she came flying over to my work, um, and we sat in the car and I was like trying to overhear the conversation as she's talking to the birth mom on the phone, um, in the car and, and I'm, you know, at, at my job and, and we're just sitting in the car outside. And then, you know, she talked for about 20 minutes. And I mean, at that point it was like, there's no time to be nervous. It was just like, bam, I mean, here we go. And it was a, um, very exciting, excited phone call. And then, um, like, I don't know, it was probably half an hour, 25 minutes or so they talked and, and the real kicker unto us was that it was, um, so they had been previously matched 
and the, she went into labor three weeks early. And the previous match didn't have their home study done yet. Oh, wow. So they were not in a position where they could take um, the baby. And so she had to then, being early, had to, she and her um, and the birth father had to go through and make a decision quickly on a second family. And we have horses in common. We have sports. We have um, rural lifestyle. We have all the things that, she want, that they wanted. And we actually were a better match um, in her mind than the previous family was, um, just with how she was raised and how she wanted her child raised. And so um, she chose us, and then um, my wife and um, the agent um, facilitator, I guess, um, got on the phone, and they had all talked, and and we and we locked up that it was a match, and we were home two weeks from the time we went live with a brand new baby boy, um, and it was about so we had to drive about five and a half hours in the car to pick him up, and you know he was he was brand new, he was born, we were about two hours away when he was born, we got there um, and got to hold him. And that was like the most emotional, like I think one of the most emotional days of my life was, was the first time when, you know, holding that baby boy and we just, you know, I mean, we're so grateful and, and, you know, seeing my wife holding him and, and actually, you know, there was a, a ease about, you know, even being in the room with the birth mother and, and birth father was there um, for a while. And then birth mother's boyfriend were there. Um, and it was just like that side of it. We were so involved with, um, the baby that, um, uh, I don't know how to say it. There, there was no, like we weren't uncomfortable at all. It was just very, like, we were just very at ease and, um, there was no real heightened. It wasn't until, I would say we were the, when the birth mom checked out of the hospital and the baby, because he was so early, had to stay for two extra days about that. We, um, and we stayed at the hospital in a separate room with him and then she checked out. And it was at that point that, you know, that goodbye became very difficult yeah. um, for her and, you know, emotionally for us and, you know, me trying to stay strong because my wife is feeling the emotion of what, you know, what the birth mom's going through and trying to bridge and create that. I mean, it was very quick. So we had no opportunity really to create expectations and to set up, you know, our expectations, her expectations, all of those things were done, you know, from the time we met her um, at the hospital and there was a baby in the picture. So it was, it was a lot of emotion. It was a lot of um, unease, um, we, we were, uh, and then actually we got home and went to, um, when we went in to do the paperwork, it was over Labor Day weekend. And so she had an extra, whatever, three days in, in our state where she could, you know, make a phone call to the court to change her mind on the documents. And she did that. Um, so at that point we were, cause she didn't, you know, she was so emotionally just herself a wreck. And it was at that point where um, she had to send a letter to the court to justify, you know, to follow up on that phone call and she never did it. Hmm. So we ended up having to take a lot of different steps to um, basically to say, um, terminate her parental rights to first become guardian so that if there was something wrong with him, we could take him to the hospital, then terminate parental rights on her part 
before we could even get into the adoption stuff because she picked up the phone and said she was having second thoughts. And, and so that's how our relationship with her started. And rather than put her on the defensive and getting angry with her, we tried to, you know, my wife was very upset and we looked at it from a, from a logical perspective, which I kind of come from that place and tried to say, okay, how is she feeling and put ourselves in her, in her shoes. And while we may not have been able to reach out to her right away, just do the things that we need to do for the boy. And then as we've grown from there, it's all become this perspective about the kids. And I say kids because we took that approach into our second adoption which when it's all about the kids and it's all about what they need and what's going to be the biggest and best support for them, it becomes, yeah, having a birth mother involved, having a birth grandparent involved, anything that is in their best interest becomes so powerful because it's all about them. It's not about me. It's not about my relationship with the kids. It's not about any of that. It's about those kids and the more relationships that they can have, the better off they're going to be going forward as long as those relationships aren't hurtful. And that's where we have to, as parents, have to look out for the bigger picture. But as long as that's all very clear and very structured, um, you know, that's where we come from a very strong open adoption place to the point where we flew out to Pennsylvania last week and or in April and got to meet all of his aunts and uncles and everything else. And we just had his birth mom from Ohio out to Washington last weekend and she stayed with us for four days um, for my daughter's fourth birthday. That's amazing. Hey, you're jumping ahead to talk about our open adoption segment. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's great. That's great. I'm I'm glad you share that because man, that's incredible. And uh, I think people listening to this, some people may be blown away by it. So I know I kind of got off topic a little bit, but that's okay. okay. I have to say something. Coming into this, it's it's wonderful to basically hear similar scenarios, similar circumstances, and similar feelings from a fellow adoptive dad. It, it's very reassuring, and, yep. and I just had to chime in with that because um, it's it's just it, it's it sometimes can feel very lonely in this space when you're the only adoptive family you know, within your group of friends and circle. So that was a great mm-hmm. Yeah, especially being a guy that, uh, you know, if you're involved at all and you, you care at all and you're you're in there, it's it can definitely feel lonely, right? I mean, mm-hmm. nobody, unless you have somebody near you that has gone through what you've gone through, nobody can really understand, so. No, absolutely. And I think, I think the one thing that I would always tell, um, you know, anybody, preparing for the process from a male perspective, looking at it from, from the outside in is a very strong position to be in. And while we can separate ourselves emotionally differently than our wives can, and they get so wrapped up in the emotion of it, which we can too, but we have the ability to compartmentalize it a little bit better, I think, in a lot of ways. And keeping that level head and being aware when, that, when you're starting to feel that way can create such a uh, unique stance in in a stressful situation. So you get yourself into a stressful situation at, you know, the hospital or whatever. If you can feel yourself going there and say, okay, I'm the only one on our team um, that's going to be able to back out and logically think this through, 
So you don't, you can kind of ride that line a little bit and understand what's happening and start to look at nonverbal cues and look at the, where they're looking and look at the words that they're saying and just be a little bit more analytical about it. And, and that will take us so much further um, when you start talking about, you know, the different things that birth moms and or birth fathers are thinking and feeling in that specific moment um, that we're not, and we're not capable of even feeling or understanding what they're, what they are going through. But if we have the ability to take a step back and just assess the whole situation, I I think it's so much more powerful to be able to be either not only supportive for us, supportive for our wives, but supportive for that birth mom and our birth father to say, look, it doesn't have to be a bad thing or look, it doesn't have to be a negative or, you know, we're going to be all here together and we're going to help you through this no matter how we have to do it. And, you know, I mean, my, my daughter's birth mom here last week just kept saying over and over, you know, we've flown her out here for every, every year for my daughter's birthday. And she said, you know, I'm just so thankful to have you guys in my life. I've heard some stories up and down where they don't get to see the kids. They don't get to be a part of their lives. And here I am sleeping in my, in her room. And, you know, if I want to go outside and push her on the swing, you know, we're free to do whatever. I mean, she's a part of our lives and she's a part of our kids' lives and they know it. So it's no different. She doesn't treat my son any different than she treats my daughter. And it's just a very open communication relationship. And it's very, very strong for the kids. Very nice. Very true. Very amazing. Thank you for for sharing all that because it's, it is like Dan said, it's a very powerful to hear a success story. And I call that success because like you said, you're, you are all about the children and all about supporting their birth parents, which is huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I want to get into the talk about how you support your wife and how, you already talked about it there and how you can be like the steady Eddie, the, the, the kind of the person standing there with a little bit more of an analytical, a little less emotional uh, thought process uh, as you're going through the journey. And especially, Mm -hmm. like you said, when you're standing there in the hospital and those really emotionally charged moments. So I want to ask each of you, you know, women often take the lead in the adoption process. And I don't know how true that is in your case. I want each of you to talk about that, uh, who took the lead or maybe you split it or just how much you were involved in the process. Dan, if you want to answer that first. So from the beginning, we were definitely split 50, 50 on sort of how we engaged, um, during, during the process. Um, my, my wife, we, we found out that her dad, um, uh, was diagnosed with stage four cancer, uh, actually on father's day in 2010. Mm. And so what that did was it really, into a very different place emotionally for the remainder of the wait. And it also put me into a place where I had to really kind of step up and kind of take over for some of that, those decisions and also some of the just kind of thinking through things when, when the emotions of both the wait and then also, you know, having to go and be secondary caregiver to, to her dad, you know, were in the way. And so, um, that played out throughout the rest of that year. And then it really played out once, uh, we actually, uh, when, when Peter's birth mom went into labor, um, because at the same time, my father-in-law was 
not doing too well to the point where we were on our way to the hospital to maybe say goodbye. And, and we actually got the call that she was in labor when we were halfway between both hospitals. I actually checked after the fact we were dead center between the two hospitals Oh wow! and we had to make a choice, you know, and, and basically, you know, uh, my mother-in-law said, you go be with this woman who's bringing a grandson to your, to your, to, to your father-in-law. And because, mainly because, you know, number one, it's where we felt we were needing to be. And then secondly, um, her mom, this happened early and she wasn't flying out until later, you know, that day. Um, and Elena was her, her labor coach unless her mom showed up cause she's a nurse. And so we, we had to turn around and go back and it was a very long labor. It was a Friday morning and, and our son was born Saturday morning at 3am and, um, she got there, her mom got there on time, but we were blessed to be in the room as well. And, um, uh, my wife had, um, had one leg and her mom had another and we're helping her through. And, um, I and Peter's birth father were, were at her head and comforting her and, and taking turns because it was a long labor. Um, and, and it was just, I just remember it was just such a beautiful, you know, kind of thing that I never thought I would ever get to experience as a dad who, um, was adopting. And, and so, and to this day, I always remind her just, you know, thank you so much for that gift that you gave, gave me and gave us. And, um, you know, I have the, the ubiquitous, you know, cap turned backwards, you know, picture of me, you know, <laughs> looking over my son for the first time that you always see, you know, in Facebook or, or, mm -hmm. or wherever. And, and it just, it we, was just such a wonderful experience that we were there and, and, uh, you know, to be a part of that and to, you know, I'm, I'm very keen like you, Jake, on sort of nonverbals as well. And, and, you know, to kind of, you know, see and witness. And I was taking pictures. I was asked to record the moment by them. And so just the moments that were going on in there, you know, as we took turns holding him and connecting and, and all of that, it was just such a wonderful experience to be a part of. And, and we, we didn't want to leave the hospital and have that be the moment that we, I mean, we were going to see each other, you know, later in the week, you know, after they signed the TPR, but we didn't want that hospital to be the moment that we basically had that separation. So, um, Peter's birth mom had basically coordinated with, uh, the priest that really kind of brought her to, um, the facilitator that we had, which is, another long story that I'll leave <laughs> for maybe mm -hmm. another time, Tim, but basically they built a prayer service together and we left the hospital together. Um, well, birth father, Peter's birth father went in another car, but, um, we drove together down the street to the, the church, very close to the hospital. And we basically had the service where we basically offered our, our, our capital, Oh, our son to God. And, and basically it was like almost like a little marriage ceremony that we had. And it was such a beautiful experience that, that basically she put together and it was a memory that I will never, ever forget of how wonderful that was. Wow. Yeah, that is very awesome. cool. Very cool. Yeah. So you, you were 
sound like you were definitely involved all throughout the process. I mean, was that even true as far as, I mean, finding the facilitator you worked with or going through all the paperwork? Or were you guys splitting that all that? We, we were, uh, you know, we were lucky in that we had, you know, even though our circle of friends um, doesn't understand open adoption as much, we do have a lot of adoption stories within our circle. And so we actually were referred to our agency and the facilitator through people we knew. So those decisions were for the most part made for us because we didn't know any better and we actually were very thankful and still are working with our agency and the facilitator that we had um, in, in this time around as well um, as working with an attorney for some outreach. And so, so yeah, I mean, we were involved in, in the whole process. Um, one time she did the profile initially and I did the edits of the, of the draft. And then we flipped it for this, you know, second adoption where she made the first copy and, and then, um, I, I came in and, and with the help of, uh, one of your other guests that you've had on, uh, created, uh, our, our second profile. And, and so, um, we've, we've been very much, you know, 50, 50 in, in the effort that we have. And I'm always on the phone with, um, Elena when she's talking with the facilitators, when we're going over opportunities where we're being shared you know, so that way we can both ask questions. So we're very much actively involved. It, it throws off some of the professionals because, you know, you're absolutely right. They're not used to having that level of engagement with, with the, the waiting dad. And so it's, um, it, it throws them off, but they're also pleasantly surprised at the same time. Yep. I would, I would agree that that was the same case in our, on our experience. Uh, there, I, I did a lot of talking over the phone, and they're like, "Okay, so is your wife around?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's here. Oh, can we talk to her too? <laughs> sure, sure. So I, I don't know. For some reason, in our case, I really felt like taking the lead, and I was just uh, very inspired about building our family, and I was just jumping in with both feet. So was it the same case with you, Jake? Were you really involved? So I would say for me, I, I was not. I was the slow one to come around and she was really the driving force, um, especially for the first. Um, and she, she reached out to the agency and she really kind of pushed that. And she was definitely the driver in, um, I mean, we had agreed obviously that we were going to adopt and go down that process, but I was really kind of on the outside looking in a little bit, not, um, you know, she just, she's a charger and she's a go getter. And, and if she wants something, she's going to make it happen. And, and that's kind of, that's my role at work. And so when I'm off and I'm at home, I'm very laid back and, and, and still looking at things and processing and, and prioritizing and doing the, you know, and looking at it from the, what needs to get done? How are we going to get it all done? How are we going to make all this work? But when it comes to reaching out and making all of the arrangements and, and those types of things, that's really her strong point. So I would say for us, it was really more about looking at the team that we have and how we're going to um, approach this end goal, setting our priorities in the steps that we need to take to get to reach the end goal, and then who's better at each step and who's better at each priority. So for me, marketing advertising is huge. 
So obviously I took care of the, a lot of the booklet and a lot of our, uh, you know, those, those types of, um, you know, the materials and things that we did on that nature. And we were both very involved with the home study, um, but we were also very much, um, our decision in, in the home study was to be, to not go live until we had it done um, from the beginning, just because we didn't want to be active and be missing opportunities. And they kept saying, well, there, you know, there could be opportunities that you're missing if you're, if you're not active. And I said, it doesn't really matter if our home study is not done. What difference does it make if I'm missing that opportunity? I can't make, I can't do it anyway. And so I don't want to feel like I'm missing opportunities by my home study not being done because until that's done, it's not possible. So it was more about analyzing the situation and saying, we can't make that go any faster than the process is going to allow. So let's get that done first and then we'll work through the rest of it. And I mean, full time, I mean, our total wait time between two adoptions was three and a half months. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, we matched with our second in March and the baby was doing, and the baby was born middle of June. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. All right. That is where we will stop part one of this adoptive dad panel talking about infant adoption from a guy's point of view. Hope you're enjoying it so far. Uh, you know, I've we recorded so much of it. I wanted to split it up into two parts and believe me, it gets better in part number two. You know, Dan and Jake are great dads and you can tell in their voice and in their stories that they really want to help other guys who are just starting to consider adoption or those who have already started their journey. So I hope it does help you. And, um, be sure to share this with others that uh, you may think uh, could could use this kind of a conversation uh, to help their husbands or the, the guys themselves to listen to it. So please share it. You know, the next episode of the Infant Adoption Guide podcast will have part two of this panel as we finish our conversation with Dan and Jake by providing even more inspiring stories as well as some tips and advice. So I think you're really, really going to enjoy uh, part two. Uh, you can find the highlights and the links we talked about on today's show and at infantadoptionguide.com forward slash 35. So my hope and prayer, as always, in every episode, that it gives you the hope and inspiration you need on a journey to build your family. We'll talk to you in the next episode. God bless. Thanks for listening to my dad.